Uh, hey, it's Dan Class. It's uh, Dan Class, and it's the bitterest pill. But it's actually this. This is uh, you know, this is something new. This is a pill from the archives about two years ago. All right, two years ago. Not about. Uh, roughly exactly two years ago in 2007. 2007, for me, marked the 25th, I can't even say it with a straight face, the 25th uh, anniversary of my having graduated from high school. I know, I know, I know. Listen, I'm warning you now. Time marches on, baby. If you don't get your head together before it's too late, next thing you know, you're in the, uh, You're a sad, sad middle-aged little bald man sitting in his garage shouting into a microphone in the middle of the night now my point is this Uh, this is an encore performance of a podcast that i did uh, two years ago somewhat inspired by my uh you know uh anniversary of graduating and then and and also uh in in my town I, i grew you know i grew up a little here and a little there but i always consider uh, Fairport, New York, on the outskirts of Rochester, New York. Uh, my, you know, my hometown. It's where I graduated high school. It's where I went to junior high and high school. Those incredibly formative years. And uh, two years ago, a horrible tragedy befell not only Fairport and the surrounding villages, but, um, you know, maybe all of us. So this was my reaction at that time. It is uh, being brought back to you by request from Mike Hamilton from uh, the, the, the Disney Podcast Directory at DisneyPodcastDirectory.com. Mike, thanks for encouraging me to put this back out. I really should uh, put this in the feed this time every year around graduation time uh, in hopes of either inspiring high school students, recent graduates, or their families to um, just be safe. This is uh, a podcast that uh, I have not listened to. I probably won't listen to it right now, but I really hope you do and hope you enjoy it. This is We Are All Fairport. You know, I hate to do this math because it's it's the kind of math that makes you, uh, you know, feel ancient. 25 years ago. Oh, God, I can't even say that with a straight face. 25 years ago. I graduated from high school. I, I grew up, you know, here and there, but really I feel like I grew up. I went through all of junior high and high school in Fairport, New York, a suburb of Rochester. And 25 years and, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I graduated from Fairport High School. And, you know, I don't, I mean, I have sort of a distinct memories of the last days of school. Honestly, though, You know, for such a significant day, you'd think that you would have a lot of memories of your last day of high school, and I really don't remember any of it, other than I have this incredibly vivid memory, even this far down the road since, of the bell ringing, the bell, the final bell, the bell that said, hey baby, it's over. And the entire senior class cheering and jumping out of their seats and rushing down the halls and opening their lockers, emptying their lockers and running towards their cars, their buses, the outskirts of school, running away from high school, never to return. Everyone in the senior class except for me. Because I, 
I had this, I won't even say feeling, I just was aware at the time that my life would never be the same. That the, 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 how do you even put this? The work that I'd put into creating this character for myself, this person that I was within those walls, Dan class, known to his friends as Danny, Dan, Jellyfish, Spot, don't ask, Barking Spider, number three, again, don't ask. I knew that that was all over. And yeah, I knew I would still hang out with the same friends and I'd still go to the same parties in the same parks and we'd play pool in my basement and we'd drive around in my Celica GT liftback. But the truth was, things had changed at the ring of that bell. And I stood there in the hallways of Fairport High School. The paper strewn hallways, it looked like it had been Mardi Gras. And I stood there in silence. And I walked by myself, kind of out from the front of the school, which must be where my locker was, to the back. And as I left, of course, I ran into Mr. Baines. Mr. Baines was the young, hip uh, English teacher that you didn't realize at the time just how young he was. You know, he was probably all of 25. Hey, class. So what you going to do now, man? And I said something completely inappropriate to Mr. Baines, like, ah, I'm going to go to college, man, and I'm going to, you know, beep as many girls as I can. And Mr. Baines looked me straight in the eye and Baines says, you know, isn't that just kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, man, masturbating, but with somebody else, somebody else's body. Isn't that kind of. The character wouldn't hold water now that I was a graduate. The flippant, confident, and when I say confident, of course, I really mean faux confident, ladies' man, and when I say ladies' man, of course, I mean jellyfish, was over. But things lay ahead. I would eventually go to, you know, parties and parties. I'd break my ankle jumping through the doorway of Sheila uh, Klein's, uh, you know, big party, (laughs) rushing from her house to get a ride home from J.G., J.G. graduated the year before I did. You know, J.G. and... Well, I'll get into that later. Anyway, this is where I'm going with this story. For 25 Junes since 1982, that bell has rung. And for 25 years since 1982, the senior class has cheered and they've thrown papers all over the walls and halls of Fairport High School and run for the doors. And some of them head for Powder Mill Park and some of them head for Parenton Park and some of them, you know, jump in cars and head to the Finger Lakes because their parents or their friends' parents, somebody's parents, somebody's going to have a house or a cottage on the Finger Lakes. Whether it's Canandaigua or Cayuca, one of those lakes, this gorgeous, wine-producing, mosquito-ridden lakes. There's going to be a house and a party and a graduation celebration. Because, you know, let's face it, graduating high school, honestly, you know, no picnic. Between academics and just the social, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, it's no Amanda Bynes movie. 
Well, this year, the Thursday after graduation, five, you know, beautiful, energetic, female Fairport High School graduates were on their way to Cuca Lake. Actually, it was more than five. I don't, I don't honestly know how many, but there, was, there were two cars caravanning through the dark, dark roads of upstate New York. Five in front, and then I don't know how many in the second car. But, you know, and I've, and I've talked about before, you know, living in Los Angeles, I forget about darkness. See, I live under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. It never gets pitch black here. If I go out of my house in the middle of the night, I don't need a flashlight to find things strewn about my backyard. There's enough light from the airport, from the city, from just the reflections of the fog and the smog and the soot. It never gets like that. Where in upstate New York, if you're between here and there and you're on one of those roads, you know, you're on route whatever. It's black. It's pitch, pitch black. Now, another thing that we don't do here in Los Angeles, because it just never comes up, is we never pass in our car on a two-lane road. You know, the right side of the road, this is America, so we drive on the right. Right side of the road goes one direction, left side of the road goes the other. Maybe it's a long, long road and there's somebody slow ahead of you. And when it's safe and the lines in the road say it's cool, you can pass them. They typically slow down a little. They know you're passing. They slow down. You pass. You get back in your lane. You're good to go. So the small caravan of new Fairport graduates are heading to Cuca Lake to visit their triumphant graduation. But there's someone slow ahead of them, and it's pitch black. But they passed. And they passed relatively safely. The lines on the road were dotted as they need to be. You know, when the, ro- when the line is solid, it's not safe. It's never going to be safe. Whether it's daylight or pitch black, you, when the line is solid, you don't go. Now, when the line is not solid, you can go. When it's a dotted, you know, dash, what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? You know the word. So apparently the young woman driving passed the slow car, had the slow car slowing down as we uh, upstate New Yorkers tend to do. You know, if someone's passing you, you, uh, you know, ease off a little bit, make sure everything's cool. And she gets back in her lane. Now, this is witnessed by, you know, the car behind them, the other Fairport graduates. And the tractor trailer that's in the oncoming lane. But the next thing that the driver of the tractor trailer in the oncoming lane sees is something that he never expected to see. Could not even begin to imagine seeing. And yet for a flash he saw. He saw the car mysteriously return to his lane. They would end up in People magazine, the New York Times. Mr. Paddock, the current principal of Fairport High School, would get a phone call from presidential candidate Hillary Rodham Clinton offering her condolences to the families of the graduates that were lost and the community 
of Fairport, New York. After inspection, it was determined that the five young women died instantly and did not, in fact, die in the gigantic ball of fire that would ensue after the car struck the tractor trailer head-on at full speed. Head-on at full speed, witnessed by their friends who were in the car that was still behind the slow car. Now the cynic in me says, well, you know, these girls, these young women, excuse me, you know, they ended up in People magazine, honestly, partly because they were beautiful. They were beautiful, white, middle to upper middle class cheerleaders and former cheerleaders. And so they make wonderful news. And in a way, the cynic in me can dismiss that as, you know, the opportunistic ways of the media and of a presidential candidate. See, the truth is, I don't know these girls. I don't know these girls uh, at all. And yet, every time I read a newspaper article about them or I see a clip, a video clip on YouTube or one of the Rochester, uh, you know, newspaper, TV station websites, I, I cannot. I cannot stop feeling like I lost classmates. See, I do know those girls. Actually, I know those girls very well. I went to high school with those girls 25 years ago. I watched those girls for eight years of my life. I studied them. I envied them. I worshipped them like they were movie stars. I lusted after them. I'm sure they were absolutely annoyingly attractive and absolutely irritating to many people around them because they were such good friends, because they seemed to have it all. They seemed to actually embody that thing that so many of us, especially when we're in high school, try so desperately to embody. From all, everything that I can tell, they were very bright, sweet, Athletic girls. Now, when I say cheerleaders, see, that's the thing. When I, the, part of the difference is, but we'll see, when I went in high school, this is what cheerleaders did. They jumped up and down. Uh, they had some pom-poms. You kind of shook your pom-poms. Uh, you did that for about 20 seconds, and then it was back to the game. These girls, these young women, competitive cheerleaders. See, back, in, back when I was in high school, my friend Kathy was new. Kathy came in from some school that had a, uh, you know, like a, well, you know, they ended up calling them the Raiderettes. See, there were the Raiders, the Red Raiders, the football teams, the basketball teams, whatever, and then the cheerleaders. But then Kathy came and created the Raiderettes, and they were more dancers than just jumpers with pom-poms. And I really now understand that Kathy started something 
that would eventually meld with the cheerleaders and the cheerleaders would become like these cheerleaders that you see in the movies that I have such a hard time believing actually exist. Like, you know, Kirsten Dunst, you know, bring it on competitive cheerleading. Apparently the Fairport squad, they're, they, they are master athletes, these women. The creme de la creme of upstate New York, athletic, competitive cheerleading. And I know that these young women were probably, like I say, irritatingly popular to those around them. Not everyone around them, sure. But here's the thing. There's been this tear now in the fabric. You know? in the fabric of Fairport, New York, and in the fabric of time and space. Because honestly, I don't know that they were supposed to swerve into the other lane. I think they were supposed to make it to the lake and go to college or not, go to private universities or not. I mean, I don't know these girls. And yet I do. I think one of them, against the wishes and the advice of her well-meaning but completely inadequate guidance counselor, probably would have been accepted to a major private university and gone there and proven them all wrong. And by the time she was 40, would probably have been the head of a major advertising agency or a PR agency when her guidance counselor recommended that maybe she learn to, you know, use a computer program so she could help design menus at the local Tasty Freeze. Or maybe not. Maybe she would have just gone to JCC, or GCC, to Geneseo, or to, to SUNY Binghamton, and then moved directly back to Fairport and met a guy that she didn't remember from high school, but actually was in her graduating class. Maybe she'd never have a career. Maybe she would just start a family with this guy, this nice guy with thinning hair but very good intentions. He has a good job with Xerox or Bausch & Lomb or one of the corporations that was really big in the 80s but now is just kind of puttering along. But she pushes the kids around in a stroller at Eastview Mall. And bumps into one of the other girls who still lives in Fairport but married a guy from Webster. There was a friend of a friend of a friend's brother from the basketball team. But she works in Rochester now. She's an attorney or a litigator or she heads the big brother, big sister program. Or she married a guy that heads the big brother, big sister program. Or maybe not. Maybe she, you know, maybe one of them was supposed to marry a volunteer fireman that beat her every year on her birthday. Maybe she works part-time at the uh, health club that used to be a vegetable canning facility on Loud Road. And every year, like clockwork, somebody will be on the bench press and turn to her and say, why do I smell string beans? See, I don't know what they would have done. The mother of one of them, in an incredibly sober video clip, said that one of them it was suspected by many in the community 
could have been president. And maybe she could have, or maybe not. Maybe she would have run a major corporation or a small tiny company or a family business or none of the above. Because see, I see I've seen what Fairport can do. This tiny little community outside of Rochester, New York. On the banks of the Barge Canal. Fairport, New York has produced doctors, attorneys, Oscar winners. People that I know from Fairport, New York have dated major rock stars who end up marrying movie stars and then not. Or they're doctors, they're lawyers. I referred to the Big Brother Big Sister program. It's run by, in Rochester, by someone from Fairport. The family court judge in Rochester, Fairport family. Movie producers, musicians, and I'm sure welfare recipients too. Everything, everything. And unfortunately though, these five young women, through, as far as anyone can tell, no major fault of anyone's. Listen, the truck driver that they smashed into didn't do anything wrong. The car that they were passing didn't do anything wrong. A slight miscalculation in the dark of night. And five lives are cut short. Five lives, though, that would have, should have, could have continued on and and touched thousands of other lives. See, that's the thing. Listen, it, it... I don't mean to get too George Bailey, you know. But in kind of in a way, if you think about it, five young men unknowingly may have lost their wives that night too. Sisters-in-law were lost. Co-workers were lost. Part of the fabric of our continuum was lost. Fairport produces. I'm reading a book now that was written by my friend J.G. Remember? I was running out of Sheila's house after a graduation party. Yeah, it was inebriated. I'll, I'll cop to that. And I whacked my ankle on the doorway that I was leaping through to jam into J.G.'s car to get a ride. Now, J.G. would end up becoming a, a notoriously brilliant chemical engineer so notoriously brilliant in fact i'm i think he has actually written a book that is so concise and logical he proves the existence of god with such acuity is that the word i'm looking for acuity with such who knows what that even an atheist reading this book would have to say you know what I think this cat is onto something. Maybe one of these girls could have proved that God exists. Like JG is trying. Or could have cured cancer. Or the common cold. Or brought peace to people that don't have it. I don't know. 
The really fascinating thing about Fairport and the fact that Fairport produces is, you know what, no offense, Fairport's not that unique. Honestly. It's not. These young women aren't that unique. And the fact that they were beautiful and full of life in a way isn't really the point, is it? The point is that Fairport isn't that different, just like these girls aren't really that different from the girls in Pittsford or Brighton or Rondequoit or any of the other suburbs of Rochester or really actually for Syracuse or Buffalo or Manhattan or Massachusetts or Kansas. I was just in North Carolina. I just got back. I just got back a couple days ago from North Carolina. You know what? Got to tell you something, kids. Looks just like Fairport. Because Fairport is everywhere. We are all Fairport. And I don't even mean just the United States. Go to England. You know what? The people in England are just like the people in Fairport. Now, sure, they talk funny. (laughs) All right, I'm kidding. You know what I mean. People, and I'm not talking about politicians. They, they, they are their own subspecies, okay? So I'm not talking about politicians. I'm, ta- I'm not, like, for the people listening in England, you're saying, well, you know, I got news for you. Uh, you know, some of your leaders uh, don't sound like they're from Fairport. They're not. They're not. The people that I know that are in those types of positions that are from Fairport are not like that. They're, like I say, the family court judge. Or the DA. Good, good, good people. But what I'm saying is Fairport is everywhere. Fairport is the whole world. The whole world is Fairport. Whether it's New York, Michigan, Hamburg, Iran, Tokyo, Korea. The people, the people are all Fairport. My heart goes out to Fairport, though. Specifically the Fairport on the canal. Because like I say, I knew those girls. And I was very lucky because I got to see them 20 years later because they didn't leave they weren't taken they remained and you know what it was so great to see them because you know they weren't annoyingly beautiful they were just there and I could look them in the eye (laughs) and tell them that I wish I had asked them to the prom. And one of them looked a lot heavier. You know? You have a couple kids, or maybe a couple marriages, a couple heartbreaks. And you know, time takes its toll. We get older, you know, 20, 25 years is a long time. And one of them was bound to look like she'd been preserved in amber. Some sort of bizarre genetic anomaly making it seem as if she had not actually spent the 20, 25 years since graduation 
that she had just sort of jettisoned herself straight from graduation to our 20-year reunion. Here's where I'm going with this, young people of the world. I need you to be careful. And I know your parents tell you this all the time. I know your parents are so annoying. I know, I know. You're out, you're out, you're on the way. You've got the keys to the car and you're going to go pick up your friends and you're just going to drive around. You're just going to go out to the lake or you're going to go to a couple of bars and you're allowed because you're old enough or maybe you're not, but they let you in or whatever. And your parents are just so damn annoying because they're, be safe. No kidding. No kidding. Be safe. Oh, good idea, mom. Thanks. Thanks for the tip. Be safe. It seems so annoying when you're 18 and your mother tells you to be safe. How emasculating. Mom, I'm with my friends. Be safe. Be safe. You know what? I'm not your mother. I'm your friend. You know that. I don't try to parent you. It's not my job. It's not my role. I don't want to be your parent. But I want to be your friend and I want to be your friend for a long time. And I want you to have the opportunity to go to your 20, your 30, your 50 year reunion and look those cheerleaders in the eye and say, God, you know what? I was just so intimidated by you. But now that so much time has gone by and the whole thing, the social stuff, it's so over. It's so nice to just sit here and have dinner with you. And compare notes. When your mother says be safe, it's because she wants you to have that. Because your mother doesn't want to have to be strong for the cameras. She will be strong for the cameras. And she will honor you. And... Maybe they'll have a candlelight vigil for you. And maybe they'll talk about how great you were and how much they'll miss you because they will. But you know what? They don't want to. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to lose anyone. See, we all have the right. The Darwin-given, God-given right to die of old age. Old age or cancer. In my case, it's going to be cancer, but we'll get into that next time. Because it's not fair to the rest of us if you don't. Be careful, says your friend. Whether you're 18, 28, 38, 48, 58, just be careful. It's too easy to not be. Look both ways. Keep both hands on the wheel. Always have a glass of water with you when you're taking a pill or eating your dinner. Craft your buzz. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be safe. Because we're all Fairport.
Thank you for tuning in to The Bitterest Pill. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. If you're interested in getting the pill as, as often as it comes out instead of just uh, once a month for free, you know, go to thebitterspill.com, click around, you'll figure it out. For a couple, uh, two, three, four shekels a month, you, you get all the uh, neurotic hilarity that one man can drum up uh, sitting by himself alone in a box in his garage. Uh, under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport. Listen, I had dreams. I had dreams and they were now whittled around to just frankly successfully, uh, you know, mumbling to myself uh, in the quiet of my suburban house. Okay, listen, thanks for listening. Thank you, thank you. This has been uh, The Bitter's Pill. I'm Dan Class. Thank you. Pill is produced by Jacket Media, jacketmedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.